What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right, welcome in. It's another episode of What's the Spread? My main fan, Mr. Brad Thomas. I am Miles on Sports. The second college football playoff rankings have been revealed, and here we are. Yes, Miles. Um, you know, I'm not too surprised by the committee where they're just going to keep jumping Cincinnati, especially after a gross performance against Tulsa. Like, come on. Those who say Cincinnati should be in the top four at this point are smoking on grass. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that. Curious to see where you have Cincy in your rankings this week. Go ahead and uh, hit me with your 10 through 7. Yeah, so coming in at number 10, I have Michigan State. Um, you know, only two wins against teams with winning records, and that Miami team, that Miami win was a huge one. That Michigan game was a huge one, so I didn't punish them too much for losing to Purdue. Number nine, I have Oklahoma State. Uh, they were unranked in my top ten last week. Number eight, I have Notre Dame, who moves up two spots, and number seven, Michigan, uh, who's moved up from number nine. They looked a part of a top ten team, almost looked a part of a, a top five team without that horrendous uh, come-from-behind loss uh, to Michigan State. Okay. Uh, for my 10 through 7, I have Cincinnati making their way into my top 10 here uh, with, uh, I believe it was Baylor who got knocked out. Uh, so yeah. I will go ahead and award Cincinnati with top 10 spot. But as you said, just didn't look the part last week. I mean, just no. repeatedly, Brad. I mean, it, it's week in and week out with these guys. And, and, and even when they come in and we think they're going to look the part, like you and I both thought, yep. then they lay an absolute egg at home where you had game day there. It just – it continues to boggle my mind that we've got Cincinnati sitting outside the top five here at number five, and people are still upset that they're not a, that they're not in the top four? Yeah. Who's putting them in the top four at this point? It, no it, one. And, you know, I want to say one thing. So I've gone on the Twitter world, and I've wanted to see every single person's thought process on who their top four teams were. Last week, I couldn't tell you how many Cincinnati's I saw. This week – I see a lot of Cincinnati's casually out of those same believers top fours because they saw what we saw, but we've seen it for the past three weeks. Right, and you can go undefeated with that schedule, but it doesn't make you an elite team. It doesn't make you a top four team. Uh, But I will award them with that top ten spot. At number nine, I had Wake Forest uh, drop down here after their loss to North Carolina. Uh, Still a very competitive game. Uh, One of the most wild college football games of the season. Uh, You know, North Carolina came in as a four and four team, but – I still see Wake Forest as a top 10 team right now. Oklahoma State at number eight. I think I had them at number nine last week. Uh, feel the same about them right now pretty much. Uh, and then number seven is where I have Oregon. I moved them up a spot, uh, but I will continue to explain why I have Oregon uh, so low down my list. So go ahead and hit me with your playoff teams and your first two out. Yes. Yeah, so my playoff teams, I have Georgia at number one, Oklahoma at number two, Alabama at number three. Oregon at number four. So that leaves my first two out. Number one, Ohio State. Number two, Cincinnati. Gotcha. So you've got Cincinnati on your first two out. Yes. I mean, really, and also what uh, the college football playoff uh, committee told us is that do they have a chance? But I think they'll just continue to get jumped. I think so Uh, as well. Like, if you look at their top four, like, I mean, Alabama loses – uh, but Oklahoma, if they went out, you know, bye-bye Cincinnati. Or I think there's a point now where we're starting to see that if Alabama loses a close game to 
um, <clears throat> excuse me, loses a close game to Georgia in the SEC championship, and let's say like an Ohio State falls one time, or Oregon falls one time, or Oklahoma falls one time, I don't think the committee is afraid to put a two-loss Alabama in there. Last week, I didn't have that sentiment, but that's what the rankings are really starting to look like. That's a really interesting point that you just brought up uh, because we we have yet to see a two-loss team in the playoff, but I wouldn't put it past the committee to put a two-loss team in over Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, look at Texas A&M. If Texas A&M, yeah, Texas A&M continues to, to do what I think they're going to do for the rest of the year, I think Texas A&M wins out. That's right. going to be a top 10 team. So they're going to have two top 10 losses. And I'm not the person who's going to say that's the right thing to do, but I, I would understand. Yeah, that, uh, that is a very interesting point. You never know with with this year because it really yeah. feels like, you know, two through nine could go anywhere. So yeah. my, my top four has not changed. And as I said last week, I don't think it's going to change. I think these are the four teams we're going to see in the playoff. I have Georgia at one. I've got Bama at two. I think Bama beats Georgia. or I think Bama makes it to the SEC title game, beats Georgia. I got Ohio State at number three, and I've got Oklahoma at number four. And I will also say this. Even if Oklahoma loses a game, they still may be in my top four. I haven't made that decision yeah. yet. I, I think it would, it, it, it would depend on, on how they looked and how I felt about them at that time. We'll talk about Oklahoma today. But I mean, a loss doesn't necessarily knock a team out of my rankings. Yeah, uh, I agree. Right. So, and that's where I'm going with number five and number six because I've got Michigan at number five and I've got Michigan State at number six. Those are my first two out. Um, I only dropped Michigan State <laughs> one spot for their loss to Purdue because of their overall resume. I did rank them behind Michigan, kind of uh, going along what you said. I think Michigan just looks the part right now. They do, yeah. Uh, and I keep looking back to that Michigan State game. You can talk all you want about head-to-head. There's been so much uproar about why is Michigan ranked ahead of Michigan State. Well, there's plenty of reasons why Michigan is ranked ahead of Michigan State right now. It doesn't always just come down to head-to-head. We were talking about this last week. And, yes, give Michigan State credit for getting that big win at home against Michigan. But that's just what it was. It was at home home in a game that they had to come back in, in a game where Michigan looked the part for 80% of that game, ended up giving it away in the end. You can't take anything away from a loss because it was still a loss. Yes. But I got to think back to just what I've seen from Michigan as a whole. And I think you have anybody has any reason to rank Michigan ahead of Michigan State. Yes, totally because fair. Because head-to-head is not the only factor that we're looking at here. Now, before we move on, I did a little project that I think you're really going to like. Okay. Because I was really – and we already talked about it a little bit. I was really tired of hearing about Cincinnati. And I wanted to put – my point to make it numerical because we talk about the strength of conferences, but I think sometimes people forget to look at why is the power five and the group of five, two different conferences or uh, I'm sorry, uh, consider two different leagues. And because you really, you can make that yeah. argument that, that it is at this point. Okay. This is just from last year though. So I could have gone back and maybe I will, but I could have come back to, to, to more years to include more trends, but this is just 2020. This is the recruiting rankings. The average recruiting position for, I pick six conferences. Guess which, guess which ones? The five power five and the American. All right. Okay. SEC, obviously, at number one. Ridiculous, by the way. They are, uh, their average position in recruiting ranking is 23. Literally, their average recruiting ranking is top 25 with 14 teams. That is absurd. Wow. At number two, you have the Big Ten. Surprise, right? SEC and the Big Ten at the top. Big Ten's at 35. ACC is actually right behind them at 36, but I think Clemson skews that a little bit. Yeah. Big 12. At 44, Pac-12, right behind them at 46. And guess where the American is? Got to be like 80-something. Ranking, 80. 80. Wow, I did pretty good at that. 
that was not bad. That gives you in in what I also should have done is done some kind of average power five ranking. I mean, it's got to be what somewhere around thirty. Yeah, like thirty five, yeah. thirty six is probably like average power five. If you want to do average group of five, it's probably lower than eighty. Yeah. I didn't do all the other power five conferences. So Cincinnati is playing a schedule right now where the average recruiting class is 80th. And, you know, Alabama is playing a schedule right now where their average recruiting class is 23. Yeah. So how can you sit there and tell me that just because Cincinnati is undefeated means they belong in the top four? All right. I am the first to admit this is a broken system, but you got to work with me a little bit. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, no, I agree. Their job, the committee's job is to get the best four teams in the playoffs. All right. However, they want to go about doing that is is up to them. Their yep. criteria has been a little hit and miss over the years, but overall they've been consistent. Yes. They've given the nod to the biggest and best programs in the country. So yes. that when we get to the playoff, maybe it's the same teams every year, but maybe it means that you just gotta beat those guys. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> Miles is like, I digress. <laughs> Let's talk about some games, right? Okay, yes. Let's do it, Miles. Let's go to the first game, college football. We have the number 11, Texan M Aggies, taking on the, what, number 15 Ole Miss Rebels. College game day site is going to be in Oxford, Miles. And listen, I know I'm this is going to be an unpopular pick. I'm going to go with Texas A&M, minus two and a half. I think about this Ole Miss team. They have a lot of things going against them right now. Yes, it's going to be an electric atmosphere in Oxford. It's going to be a tough place to play. Yes, they have one of the best coaches and one of the quarterbacks, but that quarterback is seriously banged up, and that quarterback is going for it way too much. I said this after Texas A&M beat us, that they're looking more like that top four potential team that they were supposed to be. In the last four games – they're 4-0 against the spread, beating Alabama 41-38. to Missouri, 35-14. to uh, South Carolina, 44-14. to And Auburn, 20-3. Against Ole Miss, they've owned this head-to-head in the last three. 3-0 straight up, 3-0 against the spread. And in the road, on the road, they've been tremendous. 5-0 against the spread in their last, their last five road games. I think it's going to be a tough bet for me to cover, but I do think that the Aggies pull it off. And if, it were, if Corral weren't banged up, and maybe Mingo was still available. I know he's been on the IR for some time, but there's just too many chinks in the armor of this Ole Miss team when this Texan name defense is finally starting to play very good. And I had to look at the home and road split. So this Texan name defense is only allowing 14.6 points per game. On the road, they're only allowing 13. Uh, they're only allowing 13.67 uh, points per game. I know that number jumps up a little bit at home because of Alabama, but still they have been dominant this season and they're really starting to look like that potential top 10 team yeah see i was i was leaning Ole miss here early on as you said college game day it's going to be an electric environment in oxford but a&m is looking like an elite team right now i'm i'm yeah. going with a&m here minus two and a half um with with two and a half we really only need them to come away with the win i went against them last week uh picking Auburn and what they did in that game last week, and not just last week, just recently, right? Yeah. The Spillers rushed for over 100 yards in three straight games. The A&M defense has only allowed a total of 31 points in their last three games. What they're doing right now, Brad, is just controlling games. Yeah. Um, and they're doing it with by limiting their mistakes, controlling the ground game, and playing dominant defense. And Matt Corral hasn't looked the same in recent no. weeks once he's gotten into the meat of the SEC schedule. Ole Miss still a very good football team, 7-2. and two, They're having a really good year. Uh, this is a big game for them. I don't know why game day is there. More on that later. 
Um, but you know, I I think that what A and M is doing right now is an identity, right? Yeah. That as as you mentioned, that we've been waiting to see. So I'm with you here. I got A and M winning, and I've got A and M possibly winning out. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. There. Uh, what do we have next? All right. So next we got uh, one I'm really excited about in the Big Twelve because uh, maybe we'll get to know a little bit more about number eight Oklahoma, undefeated number eight Oklahoma. Uh, five and a half point favorites here at number 13, Baylor, a team that I talked a lot about last week and we talked a lot about last week and disappointed us. Oh, uh, Miles, gambling mistake number one on my end. Like I should have never been wanting to handicap a look ahead spot, an emotional game for TCU, do it for Patterson, but whatever. Baylor look ahead for this. And I think that Baylor is a live dog in the situation. Line was six points. I'm pissed that I missed out on six, but give me plus five and a half. Listen, there's some crazy, some crazy stats that are coming on in this game. So Baylor in the last five games they've played against Oklahoma, they've covered the number. And I mean, last four, four of the last five, they played Oklahoma at home. They covered the number. They're five and zero against the spread in their last five home games. As a dog, 11-4-1 against the spread. They've only lost one, one, I tell you this, one home game by more than six points in their last 19 home games. This Oklahoma defense is going to be the problem. I think Baylor's offense can keep up. And much like TCU, we can see a bit of a shootout. Um, I I really think Baylor has a chance to win it, but six points is a lot for a game that I think is going to be heavily contested. Yeah, the trends are really good for Baylor here, uh, but but I'm definitely going Oklahoma. I just think that they've been a completely different team since Caleb Williams has took over. Now, it does scare me that they did not play last week and the fact that Baylor always plays them tough, but I can't get out of my head. Emotional or not emotional, TCU torches Baylor last week for 458 yards through the air. And my man Caleb Williams is coming off a six-touchdown performance against Texas Tech a couple of weeks ago. In order for Baylor to stay in this game, they're going to have to rely on their ground game, which was really good before the TCU game. Uh, we could definitely see that return here, but they're going to have to keep the ball out of Oklahoma's hands. It is a high number, um, but I like the Sooners here. Yeah, this is a this is Oklahoma defense who who is pretty pretty good on the ground. I think the problem that Oklahoma is going to have defensively is they suck through the air. Their sure. their pass defense is awful. They're I mean they're almost allowing what two hundred seventy five yards through the air per game. So we'll see what happens. I, I like a high scoring game, and typically I'm the opposite of my normal handicap. Is when it's high scoring, I normally take the bigger favorite. Uh, and then when it's low scoring, I normally take the the bigger dog. But I think that Baylor's a live underdog in this situation. And I think that I gave them the kiss of death. That number two spot in rankings is scary, man. And I put them number two in my rankings. All right. Moving on to a game that I – this is the game that I'm most excited about. And I want to know why College Game Day is not uh, in Winston-Salem. Yes. For number 16 NC State and number 12 Wake Forest. You want to talk about disrespect. I mean, listen, I know Clemson isn't any good this year, but that means that you can't – that you have to keep going to SEC games that don't even mean anything. You could talk about Ole Miss, Texas A&M all you want. Ole Miss isn't winning the West. This no. is right here is for the Atlantic Division. Yes. Two really good teams. Night game. I feel like Wake Forest would have been a way more fun spot for college game day this week. But anyway, let's talk about the line. Wake Forest minus two. As I said, the winner is pretty much going to be in the driver's seat for the Atlantic Division. And keep in mind, this is the same division that Clemson is in. What a breath of fresh air. Yeah. We have a game for the division that's not going to be Clemson. Uh, that's pretty crazy. I I want to hear where uh, where you're leaning here. Listen, um, 
Every part of me does not want to handicap this game outside of taking the total. I'm going to say this now, and I'm going to say this loud. This is going to be one of my write-ups for uh, – for, uh, excuse me, I'm fighting for so many companies now, I'm losing train of thought for bet karma, but I'm going to be on the over in this game, uh, four and five in the what, last five wake, uh, last six wake games. Uh, but listen, I'm backing Wake Forest. Um, if it weren't up, if it weren't to that great high-powered uh, UNC offense, Sam Hartman and Wake Forest get it done. If it weren't for, and I don't say this often, I didn't have any money on the Wake Forest game, so guys, don't think that I'm just being a, a sourpuss better. If it weren't for the referees, Wake Forest probably would have came home victorious in this game. They missed that pass interference call that was egregious miss. And now it's up to it's, it's up to uh, Devin Leary in, in North Carolina State to try to keep up with Wake. I don't think they do so. The last time North Carolina State, right, mind you, when they had to keep up with a very uh, high-powered offense was that Miami game. And they couldn't keep up. They couldn't go toe-for-toe. Uh, one in 10 in their last road games against Wake Forest is a huge, huge mark. It's honestly, I w- can't even say it's a battle of the defenses because we know there's going to be no defensive plays. It's a battle of the offenses. This is Wake Forest offense is averaging 44 points per game versus UNC's 31 points per game. And it's going to be a night game. Oh, my God. In-state rivalry game. Oh, come on. Give me Wake Forest all day. It's going to be so fun. Like, my eyes are going to be glued on this. I'm going to be at the sports book just chilling, man. Yeah, give me Wake Forest here, uh, especially with with uh, only minus two, really just looking for a win. You know, what's funny in that North Carolina game, I, I almost came away even just as impressed as I was with Wake Forest even before the game. I mean, yes. look at how close they were, Brad, to, to rolling in here, continuing to be undefeated. I mean, it, it was a situation where if Wake Forest just would have found a way to win that game, they, this is a legitimate team. Sam Hardy yeah. and company can move the ball against anybody. Yeah, that defense is struggling. They couldn't stop the run. But also keep in mind, they held Sam Howell to 216 yards. Through yes. The now, you could argue that North Carolina didn't have to do much in that game uh, through the air, but still a pretty impressive number. And also, it was a collapse from Wake Forest. You, you Big time. mentioned the uh, referees, but it just a North Carolina scores 24 points in the fourth quarter to win that game. I mean, Wake Forest had that game well in hand. Yeah. Uh, just a, a wild finish, and my heart goes out to Wake Forest because I was really pulling for them to pull off the undefeated season. And I and really, I they've shown to be that talented. Now, yeah. on the other side of the ball for, for NC State, their defense only allowing 16 points per game. But keep in mind, you know, they gave up 31 to Miami a couple weeks ago. They really haven't played any high-powered offenses. Um, there really aren't many high-powered offenses in the ACC until you no. get to Wake Forest, right? Wake Forest, North Carolina State, and UNC. That's about it. <laughs> right. So, you know, Pittsburgh does it with defense. Virginia does it with defense. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was, I, I, turnovers really hurt Sam Hartman, too, in that yeah. game. He, he yeah. kind of gave the game away in the end, so so he's got to make – but dude doesn't really make mistakes in the beginning. Wake Forest just comes out and hits you in the mouth. So Yeah. They're, oh, my God. They're so fun to watch. And, like – they are. This is college game day messed up. Like, we really don't care that much about the TAMU game. What's on tech, on deck for us next, Miles? All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up with Mississippi State uh, at number 17, Auburn. Mississippi State quietly having a pretty solid year. My uh, gosh, yes. Pretty much a disaster last year, but uh, Leach is really getting his boys together. Three and three in the end, in a very competitive SEC West. Uh, yeah. Going at Auburn, Auburn number 17, five and a half point favorites. I will go ahead and start here. Uh, I did a write-up last week on the Mississippi State-Arkansas game, and I took Mississippi State plus four. Nice. for me, losing that game 31-28. I'm going to take them here for very similar reasons because they've been very consistent with what I've been seeing from Mike Leach and his offense in Mississippi State. Will Rogers. Dude was 36 of 48 last week for 417 yards and four scores, and he doesn't do it with bombs. 
He does it with nickeling and diming it down the field, uh, completing 75% of his passes on the year. They're hard. They're difficult to stop. And with Auburn, I know it was the AM defense, but coming off that three-point performance, I don't, I don't have much faith in them in this one. I think they bounce back and get the win. But I see Mississippi State for a second week in a row. I think they come through for me. And I think that they can keep this game competitive, keep it out of the hands of Auburn just enough to stay in the game. So I'll, this is my dog for the week. So when I start to handicap games, I like to do things where I'll put a player's name and I'll ask myself a question. The question was, Will Rogers, can he push this offense forward after a close game versus Arkansas? I think he can. However, I'm going to back Auburn here. Um, reason being, you know, I have to compare Arkansas's defense to Auburn's defense. This is a great Auburn defense. They're only allowing, what, 20 points per game. I think that this is a funny stat because it just matches up so perfect. When Auburn scores 25 points or more, they are 4-1 and one against the spread and 5-0. and oh. You know how many points Mississippi State allows per game? 25.3. Man, this Mississippi State looks so much better with Rodgers. Um, so I kind of want to throw out the last last two years, uh, what, 24 and 10, uh, 56 to 23, where, Miss, where Auburn covered both those numbers with ease. Um, I, I just like that, you know, the, the trends back up Auburn uh, covered in two of three games as favorites of five and a half or more. This five and a half number has been very interesting if you've been monitoring it this season, where five co- favorites of five and a half have covered often. And it's numbers that open at five and a half, not so much like the six growing down, but numbers that go up to the five and a half. I'm just going to go ahead and trust that they have a big bounce back here. Um, and they're what, two, two weeks, three weeks from the Iron Bowl. So it's good to start tuning up. Why not do it with, uh, with two weeks from the Iron, Iron Bowl, uh, three weeks from the Iron Bowl, two weeks from the Egg Bowl, if I said that right? Something like that. Yeah, I, I, uh, hard, to, hard to believe that we're getting that close to the So game. close. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and back Auburn here. I don't like taking spreads this big for uh, for games I think are going to be kind of close, but I just got to think defense wins out and, and Auburn becomes kind of more of what we saw in the beginning of the season. They're not playing against a Texas A&M. Like Mississippi State is heading in the right direction, but they're not quite there yet. All right, my man. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to this first segment. I want to invite you to following What's the Spread on Twitter at What's the Spread underscore. If you're listening on YouTube, please press the subscribe button and hit the like button. All right, Miles, let's get into some NFL. Let's do it. Uh, First up, we got the New Orleans Saints at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are three-point favorites here at home. Titans came through for me last week. Uh, I never expected them in all of the universes to get the win, Um, but they did. But, you know, Stafford pretty much gave that game away. uh, Yeah, did. Right in the beginning by spotting them all those points. Um, You know, I've I've been back and forth on this one. Uh, And still, up until now, I am. But... The fact that Adrian Peterson only had 21 yards on 10 carries, it just tells me that something, just too many things went right for the Titans on Sunday Night Football. I'm taking the Saints here plus three. Uh, I, I I feel like I have written here, is it sustainable, right? So they lose Derrick Henry. They immediately go from four to eight-point dogs to the Rams last week. They end up getting the win. But overall, the Titans defense has not looked that good. They looked really good last week. It was a part of the reason that they got the win. But the Saints have come through for me recently. Uh, in recent weeks, uh, most notably against Tampa Bay. So I'm going to take him here plus three. Well, you made a statement that Titans defense hasn't looked that good. It's all relative. So the Titans defense hasn't looked that good compared to what a good defense would look like. But the Titans defense has looked so much better than the Titans have in the past two years. For that reason, I'm backing the Titans. Listen, last game, 
their run game was terrible. Foreman, 5 for 29. Nichols, 7 for 24. Peterson, 10 for 21. But we have to compare uh, apples to apples where we have to know that the, the New Orleans Saints offensive line is, I mean, defensive line is not nearly the same caliber as the, um, as the Los Angeles Rams. Trevor Simeon wasn't bad in the loss to Atlanta, but come on. The Saints sucked for three quarters. If you suck against Ryan Tannehill, this Titans team, it's time we start believing. This Titans team is good, man. If you suck against them, you're going to get down early. It's going to be tough to come back. 5-0 gets a spread in their last five. 5-0 five straight up in their last five. It's time we put some respect on Tannehill's name. I was the first person to disrespect him that said they relied too heavily on the play-action pass game. Tannehill was just average in that game. I think he only threw for like 124 yards and a touchdown and interception. But the defense is doing enough to, to kind of keep them motivated, at least after one game. I hate hate having to think that we're going against two very unknown teams at this moment because we have the right. Saints with Trevor Simeon Absolutely. and the Titans without Derrick Henry. But I'm just going to have to go with the better team um, and then the better quarterback. All right, what's next? Next, we have the Cleveland Browns uh, taking on the New England Patriots. Guys, don't look now, but the Patriots are so close to coming back in the AFC title race. I'm going to start this off. I'm back in the Patriots. I really hate that I didn't get the plus money. I tried to get it and lock it in so much, but the line has moved from Patriots plus two and a half to minus one. I think if once you get a little bit past the three, the three point mark, you don't take it. No Kareem Hunt, no Nick Chubb for the Cleveland Browns. I don't care about that too much because one thing that I, I wanted to highlight the Patriots has been their elite defense. Matthew Dudon's been playing out of his, out of his mind. Christian Barmar has been playing very good. JC Jackson, what do you have? Two picks last game. And one thing that I've noticed, uh, just because I've, I've been, ca- I've been, I want to say casually, but I think I've watched every single Patriots game with like a really like a magnifying glass because of Matt, uh, Mac Jones. But McDaniels has been able to uh, kind of like explore their offensive philosophy a little bit more. I think he's getting a little bit more comfortable with Mac Jones or Mac Jones is looking a little more comfortable, which makes him a little bit more of a threat. Like early in the season, you, you kind of were like Mac Jones kind of limited in the options that they're giving him four and two against spend their last six games. And listen, historically the Browns have been terrible against the Patriots two and six against the spend their last eight, one and seven in their last eight against Patriots. I am kind of afraid that this Browns team's defense might <laughs> beat Mac Jones up a little bit, but I don't think that defense is that much more improved than the Panthers. So give me the Patriots just to win the game. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it simple here. I'm, I'm going with the Browns. I, I try not to overreact week to week, uh, but they, they literally made Joe Burrow just, just look like an absolute shell of himself last week, consistently getting to the quarterback. I think they do the same thing against Mac Jones here. Uh, I'm not going to say that OBJ is the difference in this team because I, I, I'm still not that high on the Browns overall, and I wasn't in the season either. Uh, but Cleveland also on the road in their last six, five and one against yeah, the spread. Yeah, so, I saw that. Um, I mean, here, I, you know, it's 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 essentially a money line. I, I still don't think that highly of the Patriots, but I do agree with you. I have been impressed with, with Mac Jones' uh, development so far in his rookie year, just as the same as I've been impressed with Justin Fields too Yeah. Uh, I, I, after his performance last Monday. So you were starting to see these, these rookie quarterbacks kind of come into their own. Um, all right, let's go ahead and head over to Sunday Night Football. The Kansas City Chiefs are coming in here as two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders. I will go ahead and start here. Kansas City is 3-16-1 against the spread in their last 20 games. I know that the spreads have gotten more favorable for the Chiefs uh, and – they should have. Vegas finally figured it out. But I'm going to go with the Raiders here. Derek Carr looked horrible. Oh. Do not get me wrong. He was awful last week in a loss to the Giants. 
But I got a huge bounce back, uh, bounce back spot here from uh, Derek Carr, who don't, you know, much better competition here than what the Chiefs have with Jordan Love. And the fact that the Chiefs only mustered 13 points last week and they continue to struggle on that side of the ball, I think they're going to – and listen, here's uh, here's the other thing that scares me is um, against the Raiders. I think it was in their last 13 against the Raiders. They're 8-5 and five against the spread. So they've had a lot of success there. But I'm it, it's just so tempting to take the home dog in prime time here. So I'm going with the Raiders. Miles, when I think about having to bet Sunday night football, it reminds me of Denzel Washington when he's like, yeah, that brother's starving. I think that I'm like 0-4 in my last primetime bets uh, in the NFL that aren't props or team totals or sure. game totals. Uh, but sides, but listen, I'm I'm going to be on the Raiders this game. I, I, I can't get over this. Listen, I, I'll give you a couple reasons why I'm going to try to keep it a little bit more short. The line opened at, at minus three for the Chiefs, right? 66% of the bets are on the Chiefs, but why is the line coming down? The line's getting closer and closer to Raiders. So from the start of the season, at the very start of the season, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs were ranked between one and three in, de- in offensive efficiency rating. And we've seen that slip and slip and slip to now. The Kansas City Chiefs are ranked 10th in offensive efficiency rating. The one thing that they could really hang their hats on was their offense. Their offensive line has been freaking god-awful. I think that Crosby and the Raiders get home a lot more. And listen, this is funny stat or funny comparison. Derek Carr has more passing yards than Patrick Mahomes and less interceptions. Who would have thought that's going to happen? I'm going to back the Raiders. I think the Death Star is going to be be rocking. And, man, I'm, there's no way I'm jumping on the public with, with home dogs getting all this love. Yeah, especially uh, home dogs uh, have been good in prime time. So Yes. Going with the Raiders. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up, my man. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are two-and-a-half-point favorites here. I think either team can legitimately win this game. The Vikings have been so close, including last week, a very close loss to the Ravens. Uh, the week before, uh, Cowboys without Dak, they almost got the win there. But I'm taking the Chargers here because the spread is just too small. The Chargers are 6-2 and two, uh, against the spread in their last eight as a favorite. I know they haven't really looked the part, um, yeah. but – this this uh, this this was one of the games I picked. It was just too tempting because I think the Vikings. I think these two teams are going in separate directions. The Vikings coming in here desperate at three and five um, on the road, and I think that the, the Chargers here only, really for me only needing a win here. I'll go with San Diego. Chargers, I'm going with the Chargers ahead. as well. Um, uh, listen, is is Dalvin Cook even going to play this weekend? I think that it's Alexander Madison time. But I wrote. Like I said, I have one question mark that I ask about every team that I really base my analysis off because I need to know. And my question for this game was, could the Chargers D-line be too much? I think that at one point in the second half, late in the fourth quarter, the Vikings only had 12 second-half yards. And this is against a lowly, lowly Ravens team who is god-awful defensively, who you could pick apart with big runs and big passes. I think they're going to see a much different defense and it could be a little bit too much for them i'm gonna back the chargers they got it done barely against philly but listen i'll be the first person to say i'm okay with changing my opinion after i've thought about a game of a lot that chargers game when i picked philly on the podcast i instantly placed double the amount of money and i posted on twitter that we are backing the chargers because I i had to call a spade a spade and know exactly what we're getting there's just teams who can compete with the Chargers, those high-powered offenses, the guys who have a lot better offensive lines. They have uh, some kind of catalyst in their offense. Without Devin Cook, I don't think that, you know, I don't think Alexander Madison's the same caliber of Dalvin Cook. So we're not getting those huge, big runs. He might end up with 100 yards, but 
I still think that this uh, this, off- this defensive line is going to be a little bit too much for the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. All right. I like that we agree on those uh, last two. And also, man, uh, just before we end, I think this is going to be one of the most exciting finishes to a college football season that we've yes. had in a long time. And I cannot wait to talk about all of it with you as we get closer to our favorite day of the year, Conference Championship Saturday. Yes. I, listen, I was like, I'm going out of town for conference championship or for a rival week for college football. And I go, there's too much on the line. We cannot be anywhere but in a bar because this is going to be the most exciting. Day, You're not going to leave me on our day. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, thanks for uh, for uh, doing this podcast with me, man. I always appreciate when we can talk about college football, talk about NFL, talk about betting, honestly. Guys, thank you so much for listening to What's the Spread. One more time, I invite you to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or however else you get your podcasts. Take care.